Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today's episode is with Danny Matthews. If you're new to branding or you need to know a bit more about branding or the basics of branding, taking it back to basics, this is the episode for you. Danny talks all about branding in this episode and stripping it back, what does it mean and some of the tactics you can use when talking to clients. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, hope you find it useful. If you want to help out the podcast, as always, the links are down in the description for our affiliate links and our partners. But you can help us out also by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get into the podcast. Let's start, let's start here like like it's a podcast, like it's, an, it's a chat, not separated and stuff, and, and I don't have to worry about thinking about that. So, um, so Danny, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me. Um, so we, we did, we just, uh, to be honest, to be totally honest, we've just recorded an hour of of talking about branding <laughs> and uh, talking about um, talking about many things that went straight off my head, if I'm honest, because. As a create, as a young creative, I I don't know a lot about branding, and this is something that people listen to the podcast similar age to me um, won't know a lot about the strategy side of it. Won't know a lot about what branding means or what branding is made up of. Or um, as we talked about in the last uh, thing that we just recorded, uh, strategy, the the messaging, the actions, and then the identity um, of of branding elements. And we yeah, so basically most of that went over my head. And I want to chat with you now and and t- let you teach me about all of this stuff. Um, so that people listening and people that starting in the, in the industry can understand um, what makes up a brand a bit clearer. So, uh, also, but as as you said on the last one, we should we should start off by giving a bit of context of why you're understanding branding more than most designers, or understanding it because you've been in the business side of in the industry a lot a lot more than your design side. So, uh, I guess we start with who you are, who you are, and um, a bit of context, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and and also thanks for having me on. Also, I think um, it'd be really important for us to contrast that with maybe you or so, or someone sure. else uh, from a designer point of view, because um, it's important to see that contrast and and where the differences are. And I think during the conversation that we had pre- previous to this, I think that's what we realised that actually, without that context, it's really hard to understand where this where all the branding stuff comes from and the strategy, because it's very business-led rather than design-led. Um, it could sometimes get lost. So, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. Um, so to start off with, uh, so I'm Danny, of course. Um, I uh, I always wanted to be a designer as a kid. It was a dream of mine. I, um, I wanted to, um, essentially, that if I could put uh, my finger on exactly what it is I wanted to do, I wanted to move to Japan. I wanted to design characters and animate them and do the voices of them because I kind of had this thing about wanting to do a voiceover or radio show. I've considered actually uh, thinking about doing that as a side gig, uh, the voiceover stuff again. Um, I just love how you can how you can take like an individual character and you can give it all of its personality and its voice. I just I find that fascinating. So. Yeah, the dream was that I would move to Japan, I would get a job in uh, a studio somewhere, Studio Ghibli, if I had to choose one. Um, yeah, and th- that would be my life. What actually happened was so different, I could have never planned for. Um, and I just kind of found myself going job to job, trying to find um, find my way around, like many of us do. Um, I I tried my hand 
at creative industry. Uh, I was a tattoo artist. I had a tattoo shop in Birmingham for a couple of years. Um, great job, great money. I was able to be creative. The stories that come out of people are just fascinating as to why they're getting tattoos. Uh, that was that was a really interesting um, thing. But the industry back then, that was like 10, 15 years ago, the industry back then was very... Um, the, it might have been the location, but it was very kind of gang culture led. So it wasn't an ideal place uh, in time uh, as well for me to be doing that. Um, as where I met my wife and moved in with her and it just made sense for me to give that up. So I moved on and um, uh, went through the Prince's Trust. Many of you won't know them, but that for that, so for those who don't, the Prince's Trust was basically an, a charity organisation where you could put a business plan together and launch a business and they would fund it, basically. A bit like lottery funding, I guess. So I went through that whole process and I wanted to start an eco-friendly design and print company. And that was like, when was that? That was like 13 years ago and the government had just started talking about eco-friendly and like less plastic and less deforestation and all that kind of stuff. And mm. so it was... Uh, it was a time, you know, we all think this sustainability stuff is new, but it's been around for so long and we've been trying uh, for so long to look after the planet. So I went through this whole process, got to the end and they said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll give you some money. We'll give you half of what you asked for, which I think in total was about 16 grand. And I was about 17 and I went, wow. where the bloody hell am I supposed to get eight grand from? <laughs> this is crazy. Now, now with all the with all the hindsight and the experience and all the rest of it, I think I'd be able to get eight grand. Yeah, bothered. But back then it was like it was impossible, you know. So um, I gave up the business plan, and actually the uh, the people who took it on are still running now. Still called EcoPrint. They're still running. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, which is quite amazing. So, yeah. so that was it. My my uh, another stab, um, but I still didn't stick with it for long you know for whatever reason it didn't happen so anyway I, I ended up in insurance I started working for an agent of a private medical insurance company uh, loved it got really into the industry like the, it was almost a, a mixture of hearing the stories from the tattoo shop to um, being able to speak to people and have that interaction um, the kind of salesy uh, thing like the salesy attitudes and the personalities and all that kind of stuff and I wanted his job and that wasn't possible because it was his business and I thought I'm gonna go and do it elsewhere so uh, I was in the industry for a number of years and then me and a colleague said should we go and set up on our own and we ran a mortgage protection and insurance broker or we ran an insurance and protection broker for a few years before we qualified as mortgage advisors and moved into that um, so still, you know, in business, building a mortgage and insurance broker, still not a design designer, still not in Japan, still not animating characters, just didn't happen. Um, yeah, so I guess to cut a long story short, I, I ended up um, figuring out that the mortgage industry was really broken, <laughs> like really broken. Loads of paperwork, loads of traveling face to face for stuff that could essentially be done like this. And um, I got this bright idea of turning the mortgage industry into a digital industry rather than paper-based. Paper so I was a broker and I essentially put together a proof of concept 
And this was me, subconsciously, I believe, this was me trying to get out of insurance and mortgages into design, technology, the stuff I enjoyed, basically. So I made a massive excuse to take some time out of mortgages, build a proof of concept called Morgie, which would basically be a digital mortgage concept for brokers. Um, and essentially, um, without this story being massively long, I essentially took that to a company in London and they asked me to rebuild it for them. They said, it's a great idea, come and build it for us. And I spent 15 months building this proof of content, this digital mortgage application, basically, for a broker um, who paid me a good sum of money. And I went, oh, this might be my chance. Um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, I hated the company. I couldn't take any offer. They, they offered me the most sickening, ridiculous offer that I couldn't take. I just, I hated the industry. I was ready to go and I had it in my head that I would basically do this romantic thing of turning down this huge offer and setting up on my own and, and uh, starting to, to do stuff that I wanted to do. I didn't know what that was at that stage, by the way. I was caught up in this industry, uh, big wig London um, kind of thing where I would travel there every day at 4am and not get back till midnight. And I, basically, I burnt myself out big time. And I found myself being dragged off the floor by strangers in central London. Um, and just wallowed in self-pity at home for months until one day my wife said, you always wanted to do graphic design or logos or something. Why, why, don't, why don't you just do that? Do you think you could make money from that? And I was like, I don't know, at least I'd enjoy it. Um, and I thought, right, so, okay, so how do I do this? So I was searching online. I came across... Um, I came across the 30 day logo challenge and uh, I did 30 logos in 30 days, recorded my screen, posted them online and I had 16 clients in two weeks. Um, uh, I had four job offers <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is amazing. So basically that was my break into the industry. Now, when I tell that story, most people go, God, what an amazing story. And now... And now you're like at the place you are. And I'm like, whoa, don't get it twisted. That was only three years ago. So I managed to, so between then and now, I think I've managed to achieve in three years what most people struggle to do in 20, 30 years. Um, and I really, because of that story and because I wanted to do it for so long, and when I was at school, it was always like, you can't do that. It's like acting or singing. Like, it's nice to do, but have it as a backup, like yeah. get a real job. That was basically the feeling I got. So there was no encouragement. There was no, there was no career path for a graphic designer. That's ridiculous. Unless you were going to be an engineering structural designer for, a, for an aviation company, design wasn't a thing. Branding wasn't really a thing. Yeah. So anyway, I got swayed out of it for so long. But now I, I look back and I just think it's amazing how design is now my skill. But what makes me valuable as a designer is everything else that happened in that like 12, 13 year period. Um, so I want to use that now, hopefully on this um, and in future to try and give the encouragement and support that that um, students and, you know, new 
new designers, I guess, and uh, new creatives, that, that support and that encouragement that you can make it a company, you can make it a business or a jo- or your dream job, or you can make it whatever you want it to be. Um, but you have to understand that you are not just a, a tool that draws pictures. You solve real, valuable business problems. And hopefully this is going to be the conversation that helps you to realise that, not only from my experience as a designer, um, but also my experience in business. So that was a bit of a long-winded intro. I like that. Though. that... <laughs> but, uh, hopefully it gives you a, a good amount of context as to the conversation we're going to have. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, a nice introduction. And I didn't realise you you're a tattoo artist. I knew you had tattoos, but I didn't know that. So that's a, that's a nice, yeah. interesting I haven't story. got as many as I want. I've got to be honest. Like I've, I think I've got about 12 to 15, but... I haven't got, but I basically I'd spent so long doing it that yeah. I didn't really have them myself, so it just kind of died off after a while. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you can still do it now? Is it one of those things where, like, uh, you're at I still school? get people ask for them, <laughs> but I don't think I could do it. It's no. not. It's not like a bicycle thing. It is. It is a constantly moving industry where the inks change and the. Um, so you know, I probably could because I think I can still pick up a pencil. I'm not as good at sketching as I once was because a lot of the sketching I do now is very conceptual. It's not art. It's not art driven. Um, so yeah, I could probably pick it up again, but uh, you never know. I'll have to get you to give me one one day. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still get people ask for them now. I still get messages randomly from people saying, do you still do tattoos? I'm like, no, it's been 12 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. So this this is interesting, right? So you've come into the a creative well, design industry as a as a business man with a business head, and um, having that creative outlet as well from tattooing, you know you know uh, you know what it's like. You know what creating is. You know how, you know how to please a client, I guess. Um, so helping young designers understand that side of it, the business side of it, the the branding side of design, and so that we're not just creating pretty pictures. How how do we go around that? How do we how can we explain it in a way that means that young creatives will understand what branding is? Okay, so I think it's important to begin with um, to get a little bit of contrasted sure. um, context. So 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 what happened with you for me for me to understand? Like, did you just did you want to be a designer? Was that a thing, or was it just kind of something you grew into, or did, what happened? Yeah, so so for me, I always knew that you could have meaning in logos because um, that's the thing that really attracted me to it is you can have uh, a, an organization's, um, a company's, business's uh, idea in a little symbol and have, have it represent all of that, but in a little identity, in a little logo. Um, so that really drew me in, just having the creativity to be able to picture it, picture a message. Um, so I think that's what it was for me. And then since sort of school, uh, growing up, on a social media world, like starting a social media account, growing it into a little business alongside of studying and then eventually moving out um, into doing it as a freelancer um, and then in and out of agencies and now I find myself in my sort of my dream job. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a really sped up way of saying it, but yeah. So, so do you know, like, can you recall the first time you thought that, like, that logo has meaning? 
That, yeah. Was it? Was it like? Can, can you? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting you to go. No, I just kind of got the feeling after a while. But, okay, no, so yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was That's in school. interesting. Um, it was in school. It was actually the BET logo. Uh, I think it was Wally Ollins did it. Um, the BET Piper. I think that was it when I saw that. Yeah, nice. I was like, wow, that's really really cool. That's uh, you know, it's got the connection in there. It's got uh, it symbolizes symbolizes the sort of the movement forward in technology like the the BT had at the time. Obviously, I didn't think any yeah. of that stuff at the time. I just thought oh, that's quite a cool picture. But I'm looking back on it, that's the sort of moment I realised. Yeah. Ah, I think mine was <laughs> FedEx. Yeah, that's always a good one. Back in that the was, day. That was yeah. a couple of years later for me when I realised. I, I said, I think I was next to my grand. I think we were walking through our local town. I said, you know, there's a lo- there's an arrow in that logo. And she was, she, my mind was blown. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few logos like that, which like, I, I love it when I see it and I'm with mates or whatever, just so I can go, have you ever, have you ever <laughs> noticed about that? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> said, yeah, the hidden meanings yeah. in the messages. Yeah, it's really good. Really yeah. good. That's the whole Pepsi great. thing is a good, is a good one. What's the Pepsi? But is it, you know, like the, the, the Pepsi guy. smile thing. Yeah, the fat guy, and then it's like a smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like these things you see. But yeah, every time like a mate gets like standing at a bar and they have like the Pepsi sign or whatever, I just have this urge to go, have you ever noticed something about the Pepsi line? <laughs> no, yeah. it's interesting though how you can recall it. I didn't expect that. So that's cool. So, so you went like from, so that was a school thing. You wanted to do this and then you basically ended up here. Dream job. When it... When did you think, I'd love to design stuff for a football team? That that really uh, was always through my my thinking and original start off. But but I've always yeah I've always navigated towards sports and always wanted to do sports. But then it was only probably a year or two ago when I realised actually I really really want to do this and I I don't really want to do any anything else. Um, which mm. is why in previous podcasts like from from the first sort of. Hundred episodes. I've I've noted that I said I don't like working in design studios, which I know is wrong to say, because <laughs> what I actually meant is I don't like working on non-sports projects. <laughs> yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, the last couple of years it's really honed in. I think, um, but it's always mm. been there. <laughs> nice. So how how do you so so when was it that you first thought that I I need I need to I need to learn about this stuff. Like it, there has to be, because I think of branding. If, if I tried to think, if I was in that position, and I didn't already have an experience in business, what would I think branding is? And I think it's the same as most people. I think it's like the visual elements. The, mm. the I was gonna. I, I would have loved to start this conversation by you saying like, "What is branding?" And me just going, "Oh, it's like a logo and a color palette." <laughs> that would have been hilarious, but. Um, yeah, so I think I would think the same. So yeah. I have no judgment about the clients that I deal with when I, when we have a conversation and they say, yeah, I just want to change, you know, get a new logo and, you know, I need, I need to figure out what my colour palette is. Um, I never have judgment there because I get it. I think that I would be the same. Uh, but it does make it all the more amazing to see their eyes light up when you tell them that actually what's the problem and then you tell them how you can solve it and they go my god I I never realized that this was a thing I thought I'd have to speak to a business coach and a 
consultant and someone else and like a process management company and and like I can literally do this with my brand like that's amazing um so yeah so what we're getting to I think is that is what like how how the new designers or, or younger students maybe that want to go into this industry how do they understand more about that yeah so I, I guess what what elements because in the previous bit that we recorded um we talked about the, f- the four basic elements of, of making a brand or um, an organization and, and what branding means to an organization uh, and you said mm. like, like just then it's a logo is, is what most people think of but it's actually a lot more than that it's it's you know the strategy behind it is, is the messaging and uh, the actions and behaviors the, the identity has outside and inside as well inside the organization so it's a lot more yeah. complex and and that's why Last last recording didn't really work out because we didn't have a structure to the conversation. So this time it's it's started off really, really nicely where um, we can relate it to younger designers and teaching them. Yeah, and especially like myself, like I'm teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> so so what most designers, uh, so what if you were going to put your, yourself in the shoes of the the people that are watching or listening to this, what stage in their mind are they at? Do they understand? why they need to understand branding are they you know where are we where's the starting point is it this is what you need to be thinking about or is it or is it a little bit lower level of what the hell is it and why do we need to know about it so i think it's that one so it's for for me at at the moment it was but coming into the industry it was okay i know when a client comes to me and says branding okay that means a look the look of the company right and, and it's actually a lot more than that so a lot of people don't know the more of it so everyone like you say thinks of the letterheads the, the business cards and the and the um and the logo but that's just the identity part of it so mm-hmm. what else is there why yeah. do we need to understand the other stuff so when we're, when we're trying to build a company the the one thing that we need more than anything is for our customers or clients um to have essentially like an ultimate confidence in what we do um, and that we're going to provide some kind of value in exchange for their money. That's all it is. Like money's a man-made thing. So, you know, you, all, you, all you have to do is have a fair exchange of value in, in return for what you do. Um, but to get to that point, it's not like how does the packaging look or what's the logo look like? There's a lot more before you get to that stage. Um for you to build that confidence in people. Number one, you need to also build it in the team or the staff that are going to be giving that product to the end user. Um, and the people who are going to be giving that to the end user and explaining what it is and telling them about your story and how great you are isn't going to happen unless the leader has it, unless the the boss, if you like, or the leader of the company has this very clear vision of what he wants the company to look like, um, how he wants to go up, he or she, wants to go about business, um, how they want to behave, how they want to talk. Um, and uh, essentially, the um, the strategy element of how we're going to go from where we are now to putting that product in that person's hands and everything in between. And I think half of the problem is we, we should start with the end in mind, but we shouldn't start with the end product uh, or the end, like, the end goal, which is the visual stuff. There's so much that informs what happens to the visual stuff in the meantime. 
so this is a good a good point so what, a lot of young designers come into the industry and they get told that they have to ask the client questions but mm-hmm. we don't understand why we're asking the questions right I mean we don't know how to Got use you. those answers that we're asking the questions of we don't, we don't have to use those answers in the design work so we say yeah. to a client okay well who's your nearest competitor what sort of brand uh, identities do you like what sort of logos do you like uh, what colors do you like um we're not understanding the reasoning while we're asking the questions and we're not like the deeper questions things like um things like your target market and, and how uh, the target market affects the design and, and how you can um you know if, if you say if you're designing for kids you know how you need it to appeal to kids rather than just a, a broad design um so why why were asked why are we why designers need why do designers need to ask those questions <laughs> yeah so it's the, there's two parts of it so um we need to ask the questions to get the understanding. Um, the one question you should be asking is what's the problem? Um, if you ask that question, the, the conversation usually flows the, and the client will usually tell you what the problem is and you'll get a general, general feel for that. The rest of the questions you ask is basically research. You're basically getting a head start on research um, and understanding what the client understands about their, their customers doesn't mean to say it's right. It doesn't mean to say that they're correct. They could be completely wrong. But that is kind of where, where we come in and help. We try to align essentially what they think their audience are to what they actually are. Um, so before you even get to the design stage, you already have the strategy, the messaging and the, and the behaviours. Um, and they're essentially confirmed by by actual actual customers. Um, so I kind of get where you, what you're saying that we ask questions, but we don't necessarily know why we're asking. So we can ask them, uh, who are your customers? Who are your competitors? But then when we go back to the office or back to the you know back home or wherever it is, you kind of sit down and go, I've got all this, I've done all this research. Uh, but where, what now? Like, yeah, <laughs> where do we go from here? Design, yeah, yeah. Um, so things like, and I mean, you know, in, in school or college, you learn about design and color theory and all that kind of stuff. There's always going to be, I guess, a psychological element to color and and all the rest of it. But even that's a grey area. You know, there's the age old thing of. I thought red was danger. Well, no, it's passion, actually. And, and you're like, oh, God. It's a bit like science, um, isn't it? Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, it's like, I've just read my horoscope and it's exactly what I wanted to hear. Mm, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, uh, yeah so, that, so we've got all these answers to questions, but we don't know how to interpret them. We don't know how to put them into design. And really, you, you kind of, that's kind of not your job. Your job is to find out if what your what the assumptions are that you're making are true, or what the assumptions of the client that the client are making are true, uh, and that just takes communicating to to the consumer, the end user, the audience, whoever that may be. Um, I really wouldn't like th- this kind of stuff. Is where the only way you're going to get the answer is by doing it. There's, there's no point in assuming. You you have to do real stuff. And, and I, I believe that this is actually part of the problem. The fact that designers, um, when they're learning, they don't work on real projects. They work on their own personal projects um, or assumed project. 
projects. And even when they do go and get a job and they work in agency or industry or wherever they go, um, they're still not given the responsibility of doing that either. So it's like, oh God, like we don't we don't get the experience. So how is it's like the chicken and egg thing? Um, you just you you have to do it over and over again to really understand it. But if I could give you any uh, pointer or direction, it's just that um, you always always want to have the the problem and the end in mind. And branding is such a broad subject. Um, that if you pin it on a problem or a specific problem that a client has, everything becomes much easier because it's very directed. It's very, um, you, you basically silo the the response, yeah. what you do basically. So let's, let's give an example. So uh, a problem that a client might have is they're not getting enough customers and then they come to a graphic designer because they want to change the logo and they think, feel that that might, uh, they feel that an upgraded look and feel uh, for their company might help them get some more customers because it might be targeted the right way or it might um, freshen up the brand. How, Great. How, yeah, so how, how does that example play into the situation? So first of all, it's, it's really, really good to understand that the problem the, cl- the client thinks they have sometimes isn't the problem. So they'll say to you, I need more, cu-. like the problem is I'm not getting enough customers. Okay, well, why are you not getting enough customers? Why do you think that is? Oh, I just need to update the logo and the feeling. <laughs> okay, so so what's the real problem? Because right? <laughs> it's, it's not just that you've got a crappy logo. Come on. Um, and you can... Di- so I think part of the skill of this is the questioning. It's the line of questioning. What's the problem? Why do you think that's the problem? You'll probably find that sometimes, especially if it's a small business... Um, which is kind of who I'm used to um, mostly. If it's a small business and there's only only a handful of employees, it's usually more to do with confidence than it is anything else. And we're even though I do believe that you know there has to be a problem that you're solving and that you know it's we kind of sometimes I think we inflate things to justify a price, but. If you think about it from a small business's point of view, if Jenny, who runs a florist and has done for three years, comes to you and says, I'm, I'm not getting the customers, you know, I I'm just not getting the amount of customers I need, I need more. Um, the problem might not be that she needs to get more customers. The problem might be that when you think about businesses and how they start, she might have funded the business herself three years ago invested a lot in stock, say in the florist and making sure the suppliers give her a, um, a regular load of flowers that she can make up. And then she has to make them up and use her, she needs to graft basically, and then sell the flowers. Over that three years, that can, if you don't make significant progress, that can really grind on you. Like getting up every day, crack of dawn, taking a delivery of flowers from Norway, um, the driver's driven, you know, 19 hours to bring these flowers to you in a chilled environment. Then you put them into the unit that you're paying a thousand pound a month to rent and it's tiny. So you can't fit all the flowers in. So you literally need to sell them the second you open because uh, there's no room. Um, all, all of this is going through the client's head. Um, and all they think is I just need more customers when actually the problem is she's been ground down so much. Jenny is about to close up 
But if you can design something, um, a logo, for example, in this in this example, if it's as simple as Jenny, I can design you a logo that you love so much that you can't wait to scream about it. And it will give you that much confidence that you end up creating more content online, shouting about yourself in the street, making more relationships with the businesses either side of you and over the road. All of a sudden your network grows and all that's happened is you've got a new logo and you feel great about yourself. It's like it in that example of a small business, it's exactly the same as going to get your hair and nails done. So sometimes branding isn't this big very uh, magical, mysterious thing that we inject into companies through this big elaborate strategy. Sometimes people just need uh, their hair and nails done. (laughs) Um, So let's go with a different example, right? Something a little bit bigger that we're kind of used to hearing about because I think it's good to have the contrast. So um, you might need to help me out on this, by the way. Uh, So it's a larger company, 100 employees, uh CEO managing director says a thing about giving the brand a refresh. Yeah? You know, okay. What's the problem? Dunno, I just think, you know, we're we're outdated. We've been we've been going for fifteen years. Um you know it's a bit of a stuffy industry, maybe it's like accounting or insurance. Things are moving on, like technology's a big thing now. We're, we're starting to go paperless. Let's go yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know this industry. I know this. Um, so you all of a sudden you've got a, a client that's like, we just need a refresh. Like we, um, That feels like it's similar to the last example where hair and nails done, it'd fill a million bucks. But he's not the only one doing this. You've now got a team underneath him and the customers don't speak to the CEO. Uh, they speak to the, the team underneath him. So now it becomes a question of what's the real problem? Because it's not that you need your hair and nails done. It's that you need to give the whole company a makeover. Um, and you need to give them confidence as well as you confidence so they can give confidence to the customer, Yeah. So now it becomes a bigger thing. So the real problem is the CEO or managing director has spent 15 years building this insurance company. Um, And they can't do everything. They've got the sales team, the admin people, the accounts, the customer support. They need to make sure everyone's happy. So he's kind of lost the ball on like, how do we actually deliver the service? And like, do, do the... Do the staff even care about the bigger goals of the company? Do we need to do a big... Mi- There's none of it. It's all complete. It's it's just a... It, it doesn't exist. Can you hear my boy then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. He's passionate about branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves it. So, you know, the, all of a sudden we've got this CEO who thinks he just needs a refresh, but actually realises that he has no vision. And this is a really difficult conversation for him to have. Mm. You, you'd be surprised at the amount of company leaders and leadership I speak to um, who decide not to go with the branding or rebrand or um, to go with the proposal. 
Uh, and even though it, do, it, it isn't said point blank as, as this is the reason, the reason is that they're about to get exposed for having no vision, uh, not really believing in the product. And that, so it becomes a really difficult conversation to have. So, um, but sticking with this example, they instead of it being a, um, a visual hair and nails kind of job, this is more to do with the vision of the leader and how he's going to transfer that through the company to make sure that the end consumer has enough confidence to buy off them over and over again. So this becomes a bigger problem. And so we get into the conversation of bigger problems, bigger money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, that's basically it for to give you a couple of examples um, as to where the questioning leads to the, um, the problem and what you can do for them. So from a designer's point of view, and, and those examples are really, really clear. I mean, that's, that's, you've explained those really well, and it makes a lot of sense in my mind from you know, different scales of brands, uh, businesses, uh, having a local business and a more of a bigger business, and how it impacts it internally. Um, but from a designer's point of view, say I'm working with a medium-sized business um, and they've got a problem, is it my responsibility to ask more questions or should I just, um, should I just go ahead and, and do, the, do the logo? <laughs> It's your responsibility to understand the problem as much as possible. That sometimes involves some difficult questions, but if you ask them with enough confidence, they will realise that you've only got their best intentions at heart. Um, and that take that takes a lot of practice. I I hate confrontation. I hate it. Yeah. I would rather lose out. I just I'm a people pleaser and. Um, sometimes I lose out because of it. Um, so I hate them conversations, but sometimes I know I'm going to have to ask them, else I'm not going to be able to do a good enough job. So, you know, you, sometimes you do have to ask difficult questions. Um, but if I can give you a little bit of advice, if the question feels like it's a hard, tough question to ask because you're worried about, you know, the response or a negative response or whatever... Is probably the most important question you could ask. So make sure you do it. Um, I, I used to train people when I was in um, financial services. I used to do training for other advisors. Um, and one of the things I always used to ask is, has anyone got any questions? And before you ask the question, if you're thinking about holding back one question that you're not sure whether to ask, you should probably ask it. Because that, that will probably give you a better answer than the fluffy one that you don't that you you're going to ask me you know so yeah if it's if it feels like a difficult question it's probably really important like, that you understand what the answer is so what sort of questions um uh, maybe really dependent on the situation of how the client comes to you but we're sticking with this uh, second example of the medium sized business who've uh, got an issue and not motivating um the the people that work for them um how would how would you solve that problem? Would it would it be getting, um, getting getting the internals together and and uh, creating a new logo and a new mission statement and sprucing up in a way which inspires people? Or how 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 do you solve that issue? <laughs> um, so I would first let them um, let them come up with the solution, and um, the, the and this takes practice, but you you can let them decide how you're going to solve the problem. And then lead them down a path for them to realise that it's not actually their decision. Um, 
and it's not their boss's decision and that they need to understand that the customer is number one. So you, you, almost, you almost facilitate them facilitating getting the answer from customers, um, which in a roundabout way is just, it's almost like the purpose thing. If they understand the purpose and they have a purpose, then they can communicate it to someone else. Um, without it, they can't. It's as simple as that. Um, what a difficult question for a CEO in in this um, example could be as simple as, so what? Why did you start the company? Because they may not it. Uh, why did they start the company? Is is more of a story thing. So, oh, it's um. I was in the industry because my dad was in it and I used to do work for him. So I just, I decided that when I had enough money, I started up on my own. Great. But why do you do it is a really tough question to answer because that you're asking the person to basically give you the, their life purpose in what they do as a job. And the, the truth is most people don't really care. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just a profitable business. Like, <laughs> that's what I do it because it gives me a good life, you know. Um, so it's uh, it's up to us to dig deeper and to, to ask more questions and to understand what, why they actually do it. Is there a bigger, is there a bigger thing, a bigger story, a bigger, um, a bigger reason that they're doing what they're doing? You'll find some real gems in that. Mm. So start there, I would say. That's um, good. And, I, and, sorry. I actually, I, I, I'm going to think of an example because I did have an amazing one and uh, I'll maybe um, revert back to it in a bit. Sure. Uh, yeah, come back, come, definitely come back to the example. I mean, one, one example I had is, is based on what you just said about the um, having a, a dad who's in the industry. Maybe you can play on the family stuff if you've got, um, uh, if you've got a client that's think getting into it and you're digging deeper mm. into their story and it turns out their dad was in the industry and that's definitely part of the branding which yeah. would relate back to clients um, and, and customers that they can relate to that because it feels more organic it feels like a family thing it feels more friendly yeah. that way and um, so that's the sort of an example I guess of how you would look into a question and answer I've got yeah so that. so that's uh, so I can give you an example of the kind of conversation that you could have and this this is an example from like a friend of a friend that kind of came came to me for some advice. She's um, so someone comes to me and says, "I need a logo. I'm going to start this new thing," and you're like, "Great! So what is it?" And she said, "It's it's like um, it's like a subscription for positive men- mental health. So, like a subscri- subscription box. So they pay so much a month, and every month or every quarter or however often they choose." They get a box in the post and it includes things like breathing exercises and yoga and a bamboo straw or uh, like some essential oil samples. And basically, I'm going to get them from companies who want to give samples and then we're going to put them in there and then everyone gets them and they're happy. Um, so that's a great concept for a product. Brilliant. Like, well, what a great idea. Get samples from people so it doesn't cost you much. Spread the words. Let the, it's almost free marketing for them, uh, and people get these samples and products every month or every quarter or whatever, and it helps their mental health. Great. So I said, um, so what gave you this idea? 
And she said, oh, it was just, um, it, it was really funny. A, a, a Facebook ad came up um, a while ago, like months and months ago. It's nearly a year. And um, I completely forgot that I had put, like, put this order in for a sample of something. Uh, and it was wildflower seeds. And, um, you know, and just after I ordered it, it was, uh, I had a, a loved one um, that I knew that started to get really, really bad um, mental health problems. And, and I, you know, they're, they're close to me, they're loved ones. So I, I almost felt like I was being pulled down with them. Like I was making sure they were okay all the time. You know, it's, it's exhausting trying to look after someone's mental health when they're in that kind of position. Um, uh, I said, so what, so, so how come this came out of all that? And she said, you wouldn't believe it. One day I, w I was probably at the lowest of my low um, in terms of mental health. And I, I had almost um, caught it off him, almost like it was contagious. His mental health was contagious. She said, and it was the lowest I had felt in so long. And one, and that one day, the letterbox went, and I picked up this envelope and opened it, and it was the pack of wildflower seeds that I ordered months and months before that I completely forgot about, and obviously never read the small print that said, will take 12 weeks to arrive or whatever. And she said, that was the first time I had smiled in nearly a year. Wow. And I was like, so... <laughs> You know, and we're basically sitting in a um, hotel in Swindon, having yeah. a coffee, and like we've both got tears streaming down our face. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you you, just by asking one question, we have this really strong purpose as to why this product is going to impact so many more people. Because if she can tell that story over and over and over, people will love the product. They will love her will buy into her story and not just from a commercial point of view because that could have been a charity product a non-profit and it would have had the exact same effect it doesn't matter if you're starting a non-profit or a profitable company um or at least that what the intention is um it matters that people believe in you and and what you've been through so her story became so powerful um it was the uh, the catalyst for her entire brand, um, which ended up being Positivity Post. Um, and actually, when we talk about strategy and messaging and behaviour, a lot of people get stuck with the behavioural part. Um, and an example of that in this case was that I said, why are you sending these out monthly? Like, is that a lot of work? She had a full-time job, by the way, while she was doing this. I said, is it, is it going to be a lot of work to do this every month? And she said, probably, but I'll just let them choose one month, two months or every three months. And that way, some people might have it less frequent. Um, I said, what, uh, what do you think about almost replicating what happened to you? So let's not put a time limit on it. Mm. Let's send it quarterly, but let's not tell them when. Because you never know what someone's going through. And if, you, and if you want to almost give the same feeling you had when you got that random sachet of wildflower seeds in the post, 
then why don't you give that same feeling to someone else by just sending it randomly? So there's a three month window and you just send it whenever. You, ne you never know, you might just hit someone right when they need it. Um, so you can really build your brand and your story through all these different interactions. It doesn't just have to be a logo. That should be the last thing on the list. You start with how you're gonna get this into people's hands, why you're doing it in the first place, and then see if you can translate that throughout how you talk to people, what you're gonna say, more importantly, how you act and what you do as part of that. So that's, that's really important. And that's, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a nice little story that. <laughs> That's lovely. That's a really lovely story, and that's a uh, yeah. That's a, a perfect example of example digging of a bit deeper, digging a bit understanding, deeper, understanding person, person, understanding why they understanding started, why they started it, started and it, and the feelings they got from it, and how you can and how you interpret can that into our business and the design of it, branding of it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's lovely. That's a really good that's example and really clear. Made a lot of sense. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that. Um, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess. What else do you want to cover on this on this topic? Because um, we could talk about uh, the elements of, of branding. We talked a little bit about digging deeper and how to come at it from a designer's point of view. But um, what about? So what do you think? What do you think the? Uh, let Let's go. Let's go big. So what okay. do you think the the biggest struggle for students and new designers when it comes to going from? I design logos to I solve problems. Why they're not making that jump, you mean? Mm. So that sort of it, yeah. Because it came quite, I want to say natural to me. It, it wasn't natural. I had the same uh, issues, I imagine, as everyone else. But I, I guess I came to terms with it quicker because I'd had most of the problems right. um, through running my own business. So... Um, I just had to understand why it was uh, branding that would solve that, I guess. Um, I think it's that a might bit be different education. for others. It might it might be the education side of it. We don't we don't get told the whole. You know, you need to be asking more and more questions, and you need to be the reasons why you need to ask more questions, and the reasonings why you need to dig deeper, like you just said in that story. Yeah, I guess that's um that is that is a difficult part. It's uh because a lot of it is to do with um individual circumstances, like and doing it really because everyone's different and you'll always get a different answer. Um, and you know I'm I haven't got the answer to everything, but I I have a a strong and deep belief that branding can solve every business problem at least. Um. And no matter what it is, um, I've got an outline, actually, this is shameless plug. I've got an outline for a book I want to write called The Answer is Brand. And and it comes from that belief that there's there's so many problems in the world, but they can be solved if you just start from the right place. And the right place isn't the logo. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's the story, it's the purpose, uh, and it's the mission and how you're going to, how you're going to get there. Um, starting with that, I guess. That's a good message to tell a younger designer as well, because say you want to be a logo designer and don't particularly want to do the brand strategy side of it. And what, what would your, what would your, uh, lesson to those people be? Because you want, you, you have to, exactly, to be a good logo designer, you have to understand the brand strategy, I guess. 
Um, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, as you're, you're practicing based on aesthetics and that's different for everyone. You know, we, we've, uh, most of us have come across this, like, you know, you know, when a client says, um, uh, it's, it's not right, but I just can't put my finger on it. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not quite there, but I can't put my finger on it. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't like about it. That is like, luckily I don't hear that anymore. And the reason is that there's always, a, there's always a reason we're doing something. Everything has a purpose. Um, but that comes from uh, the fact that as humans, most of us, don't know what we like <laughs> genuinely we don't know it um but boy do we know everything we don't like yeah. we 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 don't like olives because <laughs> they taste like petrol <laughs> like gasoline like do they um i, I love them yes yeah, but a... you don't know if you like them or not because you've never bloody had them yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what you mean but if i if i said if you eat olives, you will be able to see 60 miles in the distance. <laughs> You'd be like, I eat olives. Doesn't mean you like them, but they have a purpose, so you eat them. Um, I don't know why I've just used olives <laughs> as, <laughs> as an example. Um, but yeah, that's it. Like Most people don't know what they like, but they'll be able to tell you everything they don't like. Um, so and I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. So, so as a, as a designer, it's part part of the uh, job to find what, what the client doesn't like out, and that helps find out what they do want. Exactly. Uh, a really a really good kind of part of the strategy element of branding, I find, is you know you find out about the the client's customers and demographics and people who work for the company and the customers they want to go for and the products they have and all this stuff. One of the best ways. I have come up with uh, branding, taglines, campaigns. Um, the most successful campaigns I've ever come up with um, and brands have been because I asked um, about the bad stuff. Can you show me um, the bad reviews? Can you tell me stories that have um, been negative about the company or someone in the company or whatever? Have you ever had, it, ever had any bad press? Um, you would be surprised at the phenomenal ideas that come out of negativity. It's amazing. So one of the little, that's a, that's a little secret tip. All the positive stuff's out there. They, everyone loves putting the positive stuff out there. It's great. Look at the clients we deal with and the people we have. and But they never say, oh, you wouldn't believe the shitstorm happened after this, or you know, not they don't want to do it. So, but for you knowing that, um, you can come up with so many ideas because everything's a challenge, everything's a problem or a battle, um, and it's what gets us as creatives coming up with ideas and and where we go with things. You can find out so much information from the negativity around a company, so don't always ask for the good stuff. That's a good answer. It's, good. it's a real good, um, real good point. Uh, it's one that I've I've not really done to be honest because it's 
you know, it's hard, especially younger designers, you're starting to make a name, you want to try and impress the client. And then you start asking them, all right, what's, what's bad about your company? <laughs> yeah. There's a, so I, I have, um, I've got a client that I've been dealing with for the last couple of years now, um, and we're just about to change the campaign. But they are basically, they're, they're a specialist legal firm for a type of financial product called equity release. Um, so to give you a bit of background, basically equity releases, basically when uh, people get to a certain age, usually over 65, 75, 85, um, they can release money from their household, from the equity in their property. So if I own a house that's like 300 grand, I'll be able to get 100 grand out of a house like that, no, like really easily because I've got the equity in the house. If I don't pay back the, the 150 grand, they'll just take the house, like bothered. But for, in order to do that, because of the age range that that happens in, they, you have to have a solicitor basically sit with the client and go through questions and make sure they're of sound mind and all the rest of it to make sure that they're not being done over, basically, or taken advantage of. Um, so there's a special specialist equity release legal firm in, in the UK. Uh, they're the only one in the country, right? So when you see articles that say things like, um we're not we're not like these uh these one trick ponies yeah um when you see art people talking about one trick ponies in articles that is in a magazine only relating to your industry you know it's about you right you know you know that he that he's talking about you so basically we were in this um, strategy meeting and session um and i said great this is all great so so where's the bad bits and they're like, what? And you're like, well, it's something bad must have happened. Like, if you got bad reviews, like, and don't get, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking this because I want to know bad stuff about you. I'm asking this because sometimes the best ideas come from the the bad stuff. You know, you've seen these campaigns before where someone's had a bad review and it's basically become the source of their entire billboard campaign because they could basically play on it. This is basically like that. So I said, give me the bad stuff. And they said, well... There's this industry guy and he's really well known. He runs a legal firm, um, but he doesn't specialise in equity release because we're the only ones that do it. But he did make a comment about about being a one trick pony. And it's obviously directed at us. And I went, great. So we basically created a horse out of their logo <laughs> shapes. Yeah. Um, and we built this whole campaign around basically this one trick pony. And the um, the tagline was, uh sometimes one trick is all we need and um we ran that for two years and um the the increase in business not in business but pr uh exposure uh the increase in actually the, the managing director started a legal software company off the back of it basically um so she, so they can start processing cases digitally um so th this is and that's run for two years and actually it's only been in the last week that I've spoken to them and they've said yeah it's been two years now we probably want to freshen it up a bit and come up with something else so um so don't yeah don't be afraid to ask for the bad stuff because there's some gems in there and if you and if you can if you're going to uh propose something to a company and you want to give like a mild and a spicy version then that's usually a really nice place to find the spicy stuff. 
And you that's never know, they idea. might just go with it. That's a good idea to provide like, the, the, the mild and the spice is a good way of putting it as well. <laughs> I guess I'm excited yeah. about that. The palatable stuff that you're like, yeah, that's good. Or the spicy stuff that's like, oh, that look, we, we, might, uh, we might piss a few people off for that. And actually, with that example, our, God, I hope they don't listen to this, but um, with that example, um, I believe they went to like an awards night or something, and the guy who said it was there, and they were running a competition um, uh, about naming their pony. They were like, come and give our pony a name. Um, and I said, why are you asking other people for a name? And they said, oh, I just thought we'd do it as a bit of fun, like, competition. I said, what's that guy's name that said it in the first place? And she said, Pete. I went, come on, come Pete on. the Pony. Come on, we've <laughs> got to do Pete the Pony. And they did. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's a good story. That's great. I got a few, I got a few of them up my sleeve. <laughs> but this is why this is why I do what I do. I lo- I love this stuff. It's all the ideas and trying to dig deep and find all the stuff, like the meaty stuff that you can use. Uh, I don't know how. I get why, but I don't know how designers stick with like I'm just going to design infographics for the rest of my life, um, right, yeah. and not have that progression and that um, that yearning to find more purpose or more meaning in in what they design. Um, so hopefully this. This is that. Uh, this is that thing. <laughs> you know what? I think this has been a really, really productive conversation, and um, will spark ideas in, in younger designers and help them uh, help them be a bit more confident, maybe when asking questions or give them a bit more clarity around asking questions and why we need to ask questions as well. Um, so yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. It's, it's been good. Um, is there okay. anything else you want to you want to touch on about? Because um, I know we didn't really. I don't know. We sort of skirted around the branding side of it, and and. Um, the actual understanding of, of what branding means. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on about that? Um, yeah, I'd, only that I guess we we have kind of skirted around it and there's there's loads of resources and, and things out there to tell you why it's, why it's good and why it's useful and, you know, whatever the goal is, whether you're trying to increase prices or whatever and why it's important to know this stuff. But... Um, it's really hard to know why uh, or, or actually do it unless you know why you're doing it. So just if you are, I guess if you are a student or a creative that wants to do something uh, a little bit more deeper in branding, um, just take the initiative to go and, and learn the stuff and do it. I've played around with this idea for a while that... Um, Maybe I'd find a client that would be willing for us as a studio to manage a group of young creatives um, to come up with a brand. To be honest, whether it was like a sub-brand or a product brand or whatever under that company, um, whatever it might be. I played around with that idea a bit and I think it would be a great thing to do to give that experience because essentially you'd, you would force people into the... You'd, you'd basically get a, like an A-team together uh and so and be a spectator and just say go for it like there's the client ask the questions um and guide them through that process i think that'd be really good but very rare um so yeah it's uh i'm playing with ideas I'd, i'd love to connect with anyone and just hear uh what you want like it's it's difficult for me to know what you want because i haven't been in your position however i'm really close 
to the position you're in now. Uh, in terms of me not, I don't run like this humongous multi-million dollar agency. I run a pretty decent small agency from my office room in my house since um, coronavirus um, with a remote team, you know, and we're very lean. So I'm really close to where you are at the minute. Um, and I'm hoping that it feels like I'm, even though what I talk about is a bit out there, that it doesn't feel like I'm that far away from where you are. And if I can kind of give you that encouragement and help you along the way, I'd love to hear from anyone who just wants more um, uh, more of a nudge or that I, I can help with in any way, or we can help them together, you know, uh, yeah, do sure. some content or, or do another one of these and, and dig a little bit deeper. But that should give a, a load of context to a lot of people. And um happy to take questions and stuff and um, do, do it that way there you go I appreciate this um, I, I just sort of so can, can I just exp, I sort of I guess explain what the way I've been taught what branding is um, and from what I'm that's learning, a great idea yeah. <laughs> my, the way I've learned it um, and then like, you can obviously add to it and correct it and all sorts so for me branding it is how do I start <laughs> um, I understand now why you struggle so much in the last video <laughs> um, okay so branding is for me the representation of an organisation or business you know business being organisation same thing uh, so it's what it's many things it's, it's what the uh, the client the customer the consumer thinks of the organisation the perception of it how much trust is in the organization, how much trust is in um, the products and the services they sell. Um, it's also internal, so it's how much uh, the people that work for the organization believe in the messages and the, the, um, the uh, um, what's it called, the mission statement of the organization, the, the company's goals and aspirations. Where does this want to, where does the organization want to go and what does it want to do for the world and how, can, how it can impact the world? So that's how much the people that work for them believe in that uh and it's how how yeah how, how the organization operates around that mission statement how that organization operates around um a tagline a message and how it's going to impact the world um and you know they have things to represent represent this like a logo they have things to uh attract the consumer with like the branding and the the, the, the visual aspects of the branding um like the graphics and the elements of of the graphic designs um so I think for me that's sort of what it is. I, th I think <laughs> that's sort of a bit of stuttery way of saying it. Um, but yeah, it's how how you can get consumers and people that work for the organisation to believe in one common goal, I guess. And there's elements to that. Is that right? Is that how? That's my understanding of it. Wait there. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's happening? <laughs> Nothing fancy is happening. My <laughs> battery's about to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I thought you were going to make a massive, like, really profound point or get someone in to come and have a chat about it. I'm about dying. to. I'm about to. <laughs> okay. What you've just said is why it's so hard. Okay. Um... Because branding is so broad, for any, for any of us to define what it is, 
is a mammoth task. And even for the people that have defined what it is, we could still argue it's not right. Because the, the branding is not a one size fits all. It, saying that, what you've just said is probably right. Um, but also, what other people say is probably right in a roundabout way. I think if you're talking about things like perception, um, in terms of like uh, uh, what the customer thinks or how they view you or like the collective um, reputation or uh, if you're talking along those lines, you're probably right. Um, I think it, but that that's why it's hard, right? Because it's such a broad subject and it, because it solves so many problems, there's never any context to make it clear. Um, so if I could give you one tip, never try and explain it to a client. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Or at least not until you know what the problem is. Okay. Um, so explain it in relation because, to their, their issue. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But Because for me, really, you know, my market is startups and small businesses. So, so I collectively explain it as basically the differentiator. And what I mean by that is that you, you realise at a certain point in life you realise that you could walk into a Chinese factory that makes 17 different brands of jeans and they all use the same material, the same workers do it, the same seams go in, it's all the same fabric, they're shipped by the same people in the same boxes with a different logo stamped on it. And at some point, a light bulb goes and you go... It's all the same old shit, just with a different logo on it. And when you understand that, you start to realise that branding becomes the only way that you differentiate those two products from each other. And normally that is um, because of the story behind the brand, um, the purpose and what they believe in. And uh, more recently, I've come to understand that brands that have the most impact uh, on the world. Like if you if you think about, let's talk massive big picture. If you believe that we are on this earth to leave the world a better place than when we found it, the only way you can become a purpose-driven organisation or create a purposeful product is by having that thing or that company give value to more than just the person who is consuming it. So that means that every time you eat a burger, a tree's planted. Every time you try on a shoe, a school gets built. Every time you do something, that, like there's something else. And that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to create a product or a business that gives one person value. It just mean, It just makes you think a little bit more about the kind of impact you're having and what what the actual purpose of what you're doing it what you're doing is because no organization will ever ex out exist a purpose-driven organization if your only purpose is to turn a profit mm. it it just doesn't 
you just don't see that. It's, it's like these people who do Amazon dropshipping. Why are you doing Amazon dropshipping? Well, because I haven't got to buy stock and you can earn money. Yeah, but 0.012% of businesses actually make any money from it in the long run and actually build a business out of it. Uh, you can, um, if you want to research an industry that will give you an amazing insight into this kind of stuff, it's the white label and pri private label industries. They're an amazing place to start because you realise that I can go to a company, get their product and put a different label on it and sell it off for a profit. But what's the point? Like, you get, there's a million ways to earn money. That is the shittiest way. Like, that's not, that's not fun. That is, that's like, how can we make a quick buck? And nothing survives that way. But if you go to the private label industry and you go to a brewery and say, look, I know that you brew some amazing beer. Can I create my own here? And they say, yes, you have bought into their brand. And all of a sudden that holds purpose because they have a story that you've bought into or they have a purpose that you've bought into. And all of a sudden the, the product that you create has come from, has been birthed from this story. And you can then take that and run with it as your own because it's, it's okay. We talk about differentiation, but it's okay just to believe in someone else's thing as well. You know, there's plenty of products that are licensed and it's okay for you to, you know, Primark in the UK, that cheap fashion, throwaway fashion store, mm -hmm. they license Disney stuff. If you like Disney stuff, you'll buy it from Primark. It don't, doesn't matter because you like Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you buy it. So, yeah, this is, um, uh, yeah, if you want to kind of dig into the differentiation side of things, white labeling is a good place to start because it's all the same stuff. But what differentiates them is the brand. It's everything that goes into it. But to try and to try and define it in one thing is just impossible. We know this. We know this already. <laughs> there, you there you go. I hope this has cleared up some some people's um, views on a brand or or why it's tricky to understand it or. Um, I mean, it's definitely done that for me. <laughs> uh, uh, or even the questions to ask around um, working with businesses and brands, and uh, well, sorry, working with businesses on brand, their branding, and, and why we need to ask more questions. Um, I think yeah. that'll be the big thing that people take away from this podcast, younger designers especially. Yeah, nice one. Nice ask one. more questions. It's been good. It's been good. We should yeah. have just said that, and left it at that, like fifteen second podcast. Ask more questions. Yeah, ask more questions. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Someone, someone said once about um, I, I forget who it is, but the um, oh, something along the lines of the quality of the solution to any problem is uh, is directly related to the quality of the questions that you ask. I don't, I forget who said it or um, who to quote, but it's something to do with the quality of the questions will give you the, the quality of answers. Um, and it, and it is true. Like you can ask some really crappy questions and get nowhere. You can ask one really good question, and it will send people on this like wave or spiral of story. It will give you so much information. Yeah, I guess it's like meeting someone for the first time or, or um, having a first date. You want to ask good questions. You want to um, dig a bit deeper and then find out some good answers to things that start conversations rather than just saying, 
Yeah. How are you? Like, yes. Yeah. What What's your favourite colour? <laughs> yeah. Imagine Imagine going on a date and being like, "What's your favourite colour? Blue. Yours? Purple. Cool." Uh, and then asking, uh, but asking questions like, "Why Why did you um, break up from your last relationship?" Like you said, you were together twenty years. Like, how How come? How, why did you break up? That'll probably give you some interesting answers. Um, <laughs> but also understand what, it also gives you an understanding of what you don't want to be because that you don't want to fall on the same exactly, track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think it's have you ever way. have you ever cheated on someone? That will give you loads of answers. <laughs> that, that'll tell you so much about a human. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this is uh, it's really it's really the way you look at it, is the way you look at the question um, the question as well. You can. You can look at it on a surface level, and then you can also dig deeper like that. You could, um, not, uh, not, yeah, yeah, be be scared to ask more, I guess. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I remember um, doing some like UX UI stuff. Uh, they they use a load of techniques in um, user experience uh, testing and design. Um, there's like they do a load of exercises and stuff, and one of them's called the Five Whys. And then I remember that I, I started to write down, basically just split a page down the middle and have what, pro- the, what the client thinks the problem is and then what the actual problem is. And if you struggle to get to the actual problem, just ask why five times. So in this case, it'd be like, um, we, uh, why, so... The, what they think the problem is, is like the example we gave um, uh, about a logo. So I think the problem is my logo just needs a refresh. Why? Because it looks terrible. Yeah, why, why does it look terrible? Well, when I started the business, um, I didn't really have much money. I just needed to get started. And, you know, I just, pay, I just paid someone to do this thing or got a clip art or whatever. <laughs> why did you do that? Because I wasn't sure if... I was going to get customers. I wasn't sure if the business was actually going to survive past a year. I only had six months savings. Um, okay, well, why why is it now important that you change that? Well, because ideally, I want to make sure that the customers, you know, now I've run the business for, for a, a couple of years, I want to make sure that the next customers that buy from me actually continue to buy from me and... You know, they, they like the way I look and they have confidence that I'm a real business instead of like this tin pot kind of company that, uh, you know, has only been going a short while and, you know, I'm new to this. And, you know, you get you get all these answers and then all of a sudden you get from I just want to refresh my logo, which is what they think the problem is, to what the actual problem is, is that, you know, they want to make sure this works. It's really important to them that they make sure this business works. And they've they've kind of struggled along for the last three years and now it's now it's important and the one thing holding them back is that they've got a pretty shit logo and a good logo will really help build their comp build their confidence and get out there more and get more customers mm-hmm. so that that so that takes you from one extreme to the other in a really decent quick amount of time just by asking why enough times and usually five is around about the number it's a good strategy i like it a lot yeah really practical as well that's great Thank you. Thanks really simple, that. like easy, easy way to to drill down into a problem, and I mean, if you're doing it with a client, you don't have to just go, 
why? Because you look a bit weird. <laughs> you, you can actually say, yeah, and sometimes you might want to preempt it and just say, I just want to do this exercise where I ask you why a few times. It may sound a little bit strange, but it really helps us get down to the problem. You know, it just makes it a bit more comfortable. Well, the other thing is, is young designers don't tend to meet their clients or they don't tend to have a phone call with them. They try and do it all by email because they're scared. And this is one of the things which um, is an issue with, with people, uh, I guess, uh, at the start of their career, they just don't have enough confidence to speak to the, the uh, and communicate with the uh, with the client properly, and that that hinders the whole process of asking questions. You you might want to split this off into a separate <laughs> episode, but but what I'm about to say is really important. Okay. I don't care whether you are an administrator, a part time ballet teacher a designer or the um, CEO of Coca-Cola, you have to start with yourself. If you've got problems with communicating with people or you don't like picking up the phone, please try and find out why that is and work on that first. I, I promise you, for the, for the last six months or so, I've been working with a mindset coach and she deals, she basically helps me specifically with uh, mindset problems, things from childhood that may be holding me back from certain things, uh, some things I just don't want to do and there's a deeper reason why I don't want to do it and she helps me through that. Um, I have that luxury now. Oh my God, I wish I had it 10 years ago. Do you know, if I had it 10, 15 years ago, I might have actually been um, a designer a long time ago um, and done a lot more by now. Because I hate confrontation. I hate having conversations, especially difficult conversations. Um, and if you can get past that with help, oh, it, it will change everything. It, everything about everything you do starts in here. Get that right first. I promise you it will be the best thing you do. So if there, if you decide that I send an email because it's difficult to have conversations and gives me anxiety and I just hate talking to people because what if they say some like ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it and I stutter or whatever it is um work work on that um it'll be the best thing you ever do I, I promise you it will be the best thing that you ever do uh, mindset is such a massive just as much as mental health is mindset is a massive massive thing especially for designers and especially if you're trying to increase your value or um, or trying to add value to what you do. Um, it really helps to understand yourself first and how you deal with things. Because um, then you can tailor tailor what else you do to, to how you're going to go about it or how you think about it or whatever else. Um, so yeah, it's a really good tip for people. Mindset's a lot of work, but it's worth it every single time. Like that, yeah. There's there's a friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, Phil from He Creative. He talks a lot about um, confidence of picking up the phone and how it's made a huge difference in his career um, and conversations, but uh, and confidence, being confident. But um, yeah, that's this has been a really awesome chat. I've enjoyed it a lot, and it's it's one that's um, one I'm definitely gonna have to look back on and write some notes on and and, and make some uh, some clips from as well. So uh, I want I want to. If you, if you don't want to say anything else about anything else uh, I want to go into the last couple of questions if you're alright with that yeah sure yeah cool 
Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go into that? Oh, mate, I can't, honestly, <laughs> mate, I could, t- I could talk for England. Right? And you've got to understand, I'd, I'd, I fought to be in this position. Right. And I, I, I actually battled to be in the position I'm in now. And, you know, it's not perfect all the time. Um, but I, I really love what I do. So I genuinely, I could talk about this all day, every day. Um, so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll leave it to you to ask the rest of the questions, I think. Well, I'm, I'm aware. I'm, yeah, I'm aware as well as time because I know we've we've been nearly going for three hours because of the, uh, the the hour at the start. <laughs> wow! So yeah, right. it goes no quick, worries. doesn't it? Just, yeah, yeah, flies. Pay you for your time now. That's what you, you can accept an invoice for three hours. You don't want to know my rates, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last couple of questions. Then first one is, uh, what makes you tick? What gets you up in the morning? This. all of this yeah everything the i've um hopefully my i guess my story's given um some context and context to the conversations we've been having of course but um also context to in the fact that uh i do i really i, I still can't put into words actually i'm very bad at articulating how happy i am um don't know, don't know why. I'm working through it, you know, with my mindset coach. I'm, I'm trying. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, I get up to do this to the point where I feel um, immense responsibility and guilt um, to my family. Because when I'm with my son, who's only one and a half nearly, um, I love him more than anything in the world, especially because of the fact that um, we were told that it was possible we would never have kids. So it's, it's pretty special. So when I'm with him, I love him dearly. Um, but there's a part of me that's like, I wish I was sketching shit right now. You know? And so even though I love what I do, there is part of me that feels guilt because of that. And flip it completely round. When I'm working and when I'm designing, even though I'm loving it, I think... I wish I was just playing with my son. Like, that would be great. So, you know, everyone has their challenges and uh, things that they find hard or tough to work through. But mine is the fact that I'm I'm really grateful for life itself. Immensely grateful that I get to get up and do what, do what I do every day. And, um, and it's a real privilege. And, you know, I fought for it and uh, I'm really happy with how everything's going and I will continue to try and make the world a better place through design and through branding. So um, that is what makes me tick and gets me up in the morning. And the the um, the occasional podcast appearance, uh, magazine article, feature, um, it makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's lovely. That is really, really, truly lovely. I love that. Um, okay, so what's your best purchase under £100? Ooh, best purchase under a hundred pounds. I'm looking around. <laughs> oh, that's do you know that's a really good question. That's a really ah um, probably the standing support stool that I bought from IKEA. It's a fairly new item, 
but it's basically a stool that goes up and down. I've got one of those sit-stand desks, so it adjusts. So I can use it as a seat or a support for when I'm standing because the top basically tilts. Oh. So even when I'm standing, I can just lean on it and I still keep my back straight and stuff. So that's pretty cool. I, th- nice. I think that was about 100 quid. It might be 70 or something, but it's yeah, it was well worth it. Nice. That's a good answer, yeah. yeah. I think about buying one of these uh, ergonomic chairs and um, getting my back sorted. <laughs> Because it's, yeah. it's just one uh, come pretty clear to me that designers need an ergonomic chair. <laughs> um, yeah. Because we're always like this, hunched over. Yeah, I, I found I get problems with my shoulder blade um, of my mouse hand or my okay. trackpad hand or whatever I'm using because um, I find myself that if I'm at my desk too long, and sometimes I put my alarm on and make sure I take regular breaks, but yeah. I'll start like this. And after like a couple of hours, if I don't move, I end up like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I realise that my shoulder's so tense. So when I stop, it aches for weeks. And uh, sometimes I put one of them straps on that straightens up your back like that. Does and that even work? then, it lasts for weeks. Yeah, yeah, they're brilliant. They're oh. really, really good. That you literally can't move out of this position. <laughs> You're like, ugh, ugh. It's like having a plank attached to your back. Yeah, they are pretty good. I only really wear it if I'm having trouble, but I should probably wear it more. So I saw those and I thought, oh, I'd probably a bit of a gimmick. Probably don't need that. But if you say, if you say it's good, then yeah, trust them. Yeah, pretty good. Um, the next question I want to ask you is, uh, it's obviously you have a deeper one before we go into the final deep, deep question. Um, do you have any life advice to, to 21-year-olds or younger people uh, out there? Um, yeah, and you can thank Nike for this. Just do it. There's a, I I spent too long not being a designer um, to waste any time in doing anything that I want to do. Um, so, you know, I said about the mindset stuff and focus on that and make sure you're looking after number one first. Um, I think they give, usually they give the analogy of like the plane, when, like putting your own mask on before you help anyone else. Um yeah, and just uh, so I guess the life advice is just to whatever you want to do, just do it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, there's been really hard times over the years in business, um, even though it ended up pretty good. Uh, and every time it was bad, I remember a business coach used to say, just write down for me what's the worst that can happen. And it was like, lose your house, uh, have to live in the car for a bit, uh, not have any money not be able to buy stuff. And honestly, when you write it all down, you go, it's not actually that bad. Like, yeah, I'd have to sleep in the car for a bit, but mm. who cares? Like, I'd actually quite enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, just whatever you want to do, find a way to do it. And uh, and if it doesn't work, move on to the next thing. You don't, you don't have to have all the answers all the time. Um, just do what you do what you want to do, do what you need to do. And if and if it doesn't work, move on. Nice. Okay, the last question is: How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as the guy that people come to um, when they have an idea that they think will change the world. Um, so, uh, because I love what I do, my how you want to be remembered actually has everything to do with what I do for a living. Um, and I love coming up with new ideas I love helping other people take an idea um, 
from just this little spark in the brain to a fully fledged product or business or uh, charity or whatever it may be. Um, and as long as I can continue doing that, I'll be really happy. So that sounds, that sounds a bit selfish even for me. But as long as I can keep doing that, it means that other people can can help change the world in their own little way and I'll facilitate that. So I just want to be remembered as that guy that when someone says, I've got this thing that will change the world, I'm the person they come to to make that a reality. Nice. Love it. Uh, where can people find you, check you out and say hello to you on social media? Uh, I'm known as the actual Danny in most places, uh, just so everyone knows I'm not a Daniel. So you can find me at the actual Danny in most places. <laughs> uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, uh, f- Facebook. You can connect with me personally on Facebook. It's the actual Danny Matthews. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. And uh, I mean, if you want to check the studio out, it's dannyand.co. Uh, but other than that, yeah, connect with me. I'm happy to chat and answer any questions and, and give you a hand in any way I can. There you go. That's the podcast. Uh, do you want to end with one saying, uh, which is cool runnings, which means peace for you, the journey. Related back to Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome, mate. Thanks for having me. Ta-da. Recorded. Love that, mate. It's good. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Awful Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you want to help out the show, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes, or you can help out by the links in the description below. Uh, there's affiliate links to our partners. You've got Design Cuts, and you've got Logo Package Express down there as well. Um, but two of our partners that are working closely with to help out the podcast and give us money whilst also giving you discounts. So, uh, yeah, go and check them out. And um, thank you very much for watching this episode or, or listening to this episode. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Cheers. Oh.